0: Shadow that's by your side, I'll be there for better or worse till death do us part. I love you. Hello, and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza, and I am your host on our journey through the movies out there that just need a little more love. And our movie today is an interesting one, because this is not one that I especially pitched for the show. This is one that one of my friends pitched for the show. And in fact, it's a movie he introduced me to many years ago, and I've loved it ever since. And I always wanted to uh, talk about it at some point, so I'm glad he pitched it for Staff Picks. The movie I am talking about is the 2005 comedy Just Friends, starring Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart and... uh, a bunch of other people that we'll talk about. And uh it's, it's a fun one because this is one of those movies, and I've talked about it before, when my wife and I had small kids between the years of 2000 and 2007 or so. It was kind of a black hole. I never watched any movies. I had no idea what was going on in pop culture. This is one of those movies that came out in that era... And apparently it was a pretty big hit. I had no idea. I had no recollection of it. I just missed that whole era. But it's one that I have loved ever since I was introduced to it. And we are going to talk about why. So my guest here on the show today, um, he has been on Staff Picks twice before. Let's see. He was here for Black Christmas and then he was here for The Last American Virgin. And those were both very good episodes. Go back and listen to those if you want to uh, hear some early good staff picks episodes. And let's see, he's a movie guy. He's a pop culture nerd. And I think, I think what we settled on was he's a younger version of me. If I believe that was <laughs> that was how we described him last time. So welcome back to the show for the third time, Mike Feeney.
1: Hey Mario, thanks for having me back. Yep, still younger version of you. Still movie nerd. Still watching the movies out there.
0: Yeah, So. So Mike is the person who introduced me to Just Friends, and I will turn the mic over to you here for a second, Mike. So explain kind of your history with this movie, how you know about it, why it means something to you, why you were so insistent that I had to know about this movie.
1: Sure. Um, I, I can't give you the exact year or date that I saw it, but it wasn't one I saw in theaters. You mentioned it was a big hit. That may have been true. I, as far as I know, a lot of people didn't know about it. It maybe became like a cult. Hit um, for me, it was uh, my ex introduced it to me around early in our relationship. So let's say 2009, 10, maybe 11, um, and it's probably the best movie that she showed me. Wow. I mean, she showed me she showed me good movies, but like a lot, of, you know, a lot of them were just like okay, like you know. And I'm very about showing people movies. So if like if she if I ever showed her something and she didn't like it, I kind of I got better at being less butthurt about it <laughs> but you know it's something I love I want someone I care about to care about it and you know I would enjoy movies she showed me but this just was like I would have loved this on my own even if it wasn't her showing it to me um yeah like it's just one of those that I could watch over and over which are my favorite movies um it's the only one that I that she showed me that I can think of that I could watch over and over and I just fell in love with her right away and it became kind of uh part of our relationship in a way like, um, the, kind of like uh, Borat is another one. We just quote it to each other. We would start quoting it so much that we forget what we we're quoting from. It just kind of became part of our vernacular. Uh, so it, I, it's been with me, you know, for coming up on 10 years. And uh, while the relationship is over and I got it, uh <laughs> you know, the movie, it, it, it's not like a, a sore spot for me. I can still watch it and love it just as much.
0: Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask: Are we going to have to go through therapy here if this was your movie but the relationship did not work out?
1: <laughs> no, I wouldn't call it our movie, but it was my movie by proxy. It became—it's now mine. She can't watch it anymore.
0: So you—you—you you, you won this in the custody battle. I—I yeah, I have the DVD. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> I do. Yeah, for people who've never seen this movie before, it's a very light comedy. I mean, this is not like a world-breaking, award-winning movie. This is just one of these light comedies. In fact, I believe it's uh, the dreaded RC word, romantic comedy. Would you describe it as that?
1: Yeah, if I had to, like, generalize it down to something, absolutely.
0: Yeah, but, again, it's so silly, and there's so many things about this movie that I like. And, again... This movie never got great reviews. In fact, if you read the reviews now, most of them are like one or two stars out of five. Like a lot of people really hate this movie, which it's so innocent and likable. I don't know how people could really hate it, but I'll say right from the top: this is not an award-winning movie.
1: No, it's it's not. You know, it's not going to change your worldview. It's not going to change your life. It, but it's a good time.
0: It is. It's and the one thing that I keep having in my notes over and over. I was watching it again today. It's just I, I just wrote slapstick. This movie's so silly and so lighthearted and so slapsticky, and it just builds and builds and builds, and you kind of get lost in this little universe that they've created. And, like, I would have a hard time knowing there's a person who could watch this movie and not laugh at it. Like, you might not love it. It's not going to change your life. But, like, there's almost no way you could sit through this movie and there's certain scenes that I'm thinking of. I guarantee almost anybody would laugh at them. They're just – it's just pure silliness.
1: I agree. That's one of the things I pitched to you, if you recall – Before Staff Picks was Staff Picks, you wrote your 200 movies list. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if it hit 200, (laughs) but you eventually switched the podcast. But I I pitched it to you. I believe this was the first movie that was a recommendation that you wanted to write about. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things I I really stressed was the slapstick part of it. I'm not a huge slapstick guy, but this – I laugh every time. I've seen it so many times, I still laugh.
0: Yeah, and I'm the same way. I'm not a huge slapstick guy. I don't really love the Three Stooges. I don't like a lot of just silly slapstick humor, but again, the tone of this movie is so fun, and again, it just kind of builds as it goes along. It's so broad, and uh, okay, I will tell you exactly how you pitched this movie, and I'm glad you brought that up. So I've mentioned it before on Staff Picks. I used to do a website called 200 Movies That Deserve More Love. Um, It was just to highlight underrated movies, and I only got to about 70. I never got to 200. I found it was much easier to talk about movies rather than write about them, so that's why it became a podcast, but Mike had pitched it to me for the sole reason that I love Chris Klein. And I believe in, uh, on my website I had said, he's so good in election, he's so good in American Pie, why wasn't this guy a bigger star? And you said, hey, there's this other movie where Chris Klein plays like this scumbag trying to pick up girls, Dusty Dinkleman. And so that's how you pitched me on this movie.
1: Yes. And I still love Chris Klein to this day.
0: Yeah, why wasn't that guy a bigger star? Whatever happened to him?
1: I don't know. I know he had some troubles, I believe, with alcohol, but you know who doesn't? <laughs> so, <laughs> As do we all, yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. I know he's still he's still around, but I don't know what he's doing these days.
0: Okay, I will. I will. So this this movie stars Ryan Reynolds, who obviously big star. This was fairly early in his trajectory. 2005. It stars Amy Smart, who was kind of the it girl in Hollywood for a while. Are you aware of her history?
1: You might have to elaborate. I just know she, at the time, I thought she was really hot. Uh, I, I liked that race. You know, she was like kind of like a celebrity crush. I don't know about in terms of backstory, if what, you, what you're referring to.
0: Okay. Yeah, there's, you might not know this story, but when she first came out, she was a model and she crossed over into acting and a lot of people thought she would be this really big deal. And she never really did reach the heights that a lot of people thought she would. But the biggest story about her is that she did the movie Road Trip and the director said, you need to be topless in this. And she's like, I don't want to be topless this early in my career. And he basically played the Fast Times at Ridgemont high card on her. He said, you know, Phoebe Cates went topless and she became a megastar. So this movie is going to be so big, you're going to be the Phoebe Cates of the 2000s and the late 90s. And so that's how they talked her into doing this topless scene earlier in her career. But it never panned out because that movie was not a big hit. So Amy Smart never quite crossed over into that level of consciousness that I think they expected her to.
1: Well, I think she's probably talked about as much as Phoebe Cates these days, so <laughs> he was right. <laughs>
0: well, Phoebe Cates married Kevin Klein and disappeared. She had a good life.
1: That's true. When you marry, when you marry Otto West, I mean, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, again, that's this movie. We have uh, Ryan Reynolds, Amy Smart, and then on the side, you have Anna, Anna, I always forget how her first name is pronounced, Anna Ferris and then Chris Klein, and Chris Klein. Again, my, one of my favorites, because he was just this kid in Nebraska, this high school football player. They were f- scouting out the movie Election. They said, we need a football player. we They grabbed Chris Klein out of nowhere, just picked him out of the hallway, and he became a big star. And, like, I think he's so good in these movies. So, again, that that's how this movie was pitched to me. This is the Chris Klein as a villain vehicle.
1: And I know, he, I know he's done some other roles similarly. The show Wilfred is hilarious, uh, at least when he's on it. He plays like the douchey boyfriend who's jacked and a little bit roided up and just really intense. Uh, if, if, if you don't watch the show, at least check out clips for a laugh.
0: I know uh, he was in the movie Rollerball. They took this gritty 70s sci-fi dystopian movie and they remade it in the late 90s with Chris Klein. And it was terrible, apparently.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's one of the things that kind of put, put him down on people. I, I didn't see that one.
0: Yeah, but again, this is a solid cast, although there's one underrated treat in this movie that I didn't even know she was in this movie when you first pitched it to me. Do you know who I'm talking about?
1: Of course, Julie Haggerty.
0: (laughs) Julie Haggerty. So for my listeners, you know, Airplane... The movie, 1980 movie, Airplane, maybe the funniest movie of all time. She plays the stewardess, Elaine, and she kills me. She's so funny and dippy, and she didn't do that many movies. She did, like, one called Lost in America, an Albert Brooks movie, which I've already talked about on Staff Picks. And then, like, I don't know another movie she did until she pops up in 2005 in Just Friends as the dippy mom, which I could not be more delighted when I see her in this movie. She's not in it very much, but she steals every scene she's in.
1: And no, she's just so so sweet and oblivious and nice and <laughs> annoys her son and it's great and there are real moms out there like that and it's amazing.
0: Okay, well, why don't you explain to people who have not seen this movie kind of the uh, Cliff's Notes version of what this movie is and what we'll be talking about for the next 90 minutes?
1: Okay, so basically the plot it, it dump, jump, dumps you in right away. It's it's set set in 1995. Uh, I'll try to keep this part brief, 95, uh, uh, graduating class of 95, and it's a graduation party. Uh, there's the hottest girl in school, Jamie Palomino, and she has a best friend named Chris Brander. He's the, the fat kid in school, very shy. You know, she's the hottest girl. She's, he's her best friend, and he's had a crush on her forever, and he's stuck in the dreaded friend zone, and he's humiliated. He, you know, he, she finds out his feelings for her, and you know, it's not reciprocated. He runs off uh, to LA. Flash forward 10 years later, he's in LA, made a life for himself. He's gotten in shape. He's uh, he knows to not commit himself to anyone as soon as like the fringe zone thing starts to happen. He says, Get out. That's his new motto. He's a ladies' man, he's a very successful music producer. and. As fate would have it, he ends up being shackled to a, a very insane musician, former ex of his, and they're on a business trip, and they end up having to land in close to his hometown. So now he's back, and you're running into his former ex, and
0: you can you can actually probably stop right there. You can go from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's basically just friends is the <laughs> story of a fat kid who was in love with the most popular girl in school in high school and he got friend zoned and it didn't work out well for him and then 10 years later now he's cool and he comes back to his hometown and it's all about him trying to hook up with his old girlfriend again when now he's a different person but all his old mannerisms still pop up and it's a uh, (laughs) wonderful slapstick movie where basically ryan reynolds is just humiliated as many times as possible
1: yes and the He's the, he's great. He, you know, there's there's many stars in the movie, but he's the star and he's great in every scene he's in as well.
0: And he's in a fat suit for people who enjoy fat suit movies. The, the very first laugh of the movie,
1: uh, it opens on um, him in his room as a as a, you know, fat teenager. And he's singing in his mirror. He's singing this song. I swear by all for one. <laughs> and you see his face in a mirror. And the first joke in the movie is the fact that he's fat in a fat suit. It's the very first laugh that you get.
0: Yeah, and again, I'm not really a fan of fat suit movies just because the the effect doesn't normally work that well. There's only a couple of movies where I think it's really especially effective. I'm a big fan of Shallow Hal with Gwyneth Paltrow, which might be an episode one day, although the the dreaded phrase, it did not age well, gets attached to that movie quite a bit. Are, Are you a Shallow Hal fan?
1: I never was. But I also hate I saw it in theaters. I didn't really care for it. Not not to say I wouldn't see it again. I mean, it has been 19 years. So, you know, if you're going to cover it, I'd probably give it another shot. I also hate the phrase It hasn't aged well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I can I can set aside feelings on social issues and things to look at a movie at a time and just enjoy it for what it is.
0: Yeah. With Shallow Howl, my argument is it's not really a comedy. It's actually kind of the sweet drama. And so, like, if you you don't go into expecting a lot of laughs, I think it's a very sweet movie. But this movie is not quite the same realm. This one's straight up for laughs. But Ryan Reynolds in a fat suit. I think it's such a funny visual image. And, again, maybe a lot of my listeners may have seen this movie already. They know what I'm talking about. But if you have not, just Google Ryan Reynolds in just friends in a fat suit, and you'll appreciate how they made him look.
1: I believe in your write-up, you said uh, if Jonah Hill had a child with anybody.
0: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> he Looks like Jonah Hill or for readers of the stand he looks like Harold Lauder the original version not the TV movie version. <laughs> yeah, so uh so yeah, like like uh Mike said and we just alluded to earlier. Some movies don't age well. Just friends when it first came out the criticism I I, I was reading a bunch of original reviews today they like well this movie's just stupid and silly and it doesn't go anywhere. But if you read movies now, now they're much more, I guess the phrase would be woke, where they say, oh, this movie does not age well. You know, the idea of a friend zone is sexist and old fashioned. But I mean, I watch this movie. I'm like, this movie I do, I do think has a lot of truth in it. I don't really see that argument. But again, that when you read a lot of the reviews, it's like a lot of the people from a modern perspective looking back at it are trying to outwoke each other. That seems to be the perspective.
1: I know, and I hate it. I hate that stuff. Just focus on the now
0: you know? Yeah. I mean, this movie was made for people in 2005. And again, it was a pretty big hit. I think it made $50 million on a pretty low budget. So yeah, it was a, it's a fun movie. It's the type of movie I like talking about on staff picks just because it's, it's a insubstantial movie, but it's fun. Like somebody might discover this and put it on and have an hour and a half worth of fun. I'm like, Hey, you know, he made their day better.
1: I agree. And like I said, it's something I watch at least once a year. It's just something I can put on, get lost in, Uh, I like how intimate it feels. There's a lot of like, you know, it's not one of those movies you have a lot of stories about. It's not they're not going to be like multiple versions of a DVD with bonus features out the wazoo with different stories. And it's just a moment in time with these actors. It's a memory for them. It's a memory for me, of course. Um, And I like movies
0: like that. Is this your Christmas movie?
1: Uh, I wouldn't call it my number one Christmas movie, but I mean, it's definitely I can watch it any time of year. But, yeah, I would watch it around Christmas.
0: Do you, like, put it on and listen to I Swear and reminisce about time with your ex? Is it one of those kind of movies where you drink?
1: (laughs) First, I stuff my face to make myself look like 1995 Brander. (laughs) And then I do that stuff, yes. It does have a great soundtrack,
0: though. It does. This movie has a fun soundtrack, including, oh, we'll talk about Jamie Smiles. There's an interesting story behind that song. Okay, are you ready to dive into this movie? Yes. All right. So as Mike said, this is the movie starts in 1995, and it's a story of two teenagers in high school, Chris Brander and Jamie Palomino, played by Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart. And well, I guess the best way to describe them is she is super cute and fun and popular, and he is fat and not cute and not popular, and they're best friends because he does not intimidate her and he's not dating materials. So they're just buddies.
1: Yes. And she, she's so sweet I'm sure she probably feels bad for him.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, okay, one thing we've we got to talk about at the start of this movie. There's some criticism of this movie that I do think is warranted and that it doesn't really know the kind of movie that it is. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a mix of just zaniness and occasional offensiveness, I guess, uh, and the romantic comedy stuff. But I think it all comes together
0: yeah it's like, to me, it starts off as a straight comedy, and as it goes along, they try to make it more and more into a real story, like a romantic movie, and they try to give it a nice ending. And like the last 20 minutes of this movie, I think are very forgettable, probably because I always forget what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like, it, it doesn't know if it's a drama or a comedy for a lot of the time. And you can see as the movie goes along, it struggles to figure out what it's supposed to be.
1: I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely the last like 15 minutes probably my least fair part of it, but you know, it's, it's also nice to see an ending like that.
0: Okay. So here we go. So it starts to the move. The start of the movie is Chris Brander. This is Ryan Reynolds in a fat suit, which again, you have to see to believe singing into a mirror singing. I swear by all for one. Is that the group? Yes. All right. Just making sure you have more 90 street cred than I do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> again, younger version of me. I was grown and not paying attention in the late mid nineties. All right, so so he's singing. Uh, I swear, and he lip syncs. it, and It's a hilarious visual, and it's basically this is the last day of high school. He's 18 years old. He's ready to graduate, and he's got this best friend, Jamie, the hot, popular girl in school. And he's going to declare his love for her today. This is the day.
1: Yeah, he has a list of like 100 things why why Jamie, what makes Jamie great, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna show her the note. Right, he's gonna sign. He's planning on signing her yearbook, um, with professing his love for her finally, after all these years of built up frustration.
0: And this does lead into the question, Mike, does the friend zone exist if you're a guy? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) This is a loaded question in 2020. So (laughs) you're, you're, you're not supposed to talk about this. Is there something I'm missing? No, I'm just saying it's – the common belief on the quote-unquote friend zone is that it's a sexist topic, that you're getting into the incel territory where guys, like, demand that girls hook up with them and stuff, which I think is an exaggeration. Like, I totally buy the friend zone, but it's generally the guy's fault because guys do not present themselves as dating material. And, again, almost any guy in the world has fallen into this trap before where you don't reveal yourself as someone who is is, uh, viable to date (laughs) – that's true I'd put the blame more on the guy yeah so I just say this but this is a dicey topic to talk about
1: fair enough I mean we can we can look at my past movies on stab picks we have uh let's see we have Billy the uh, the Canadian killer who likes to um stab young co-eds and we have Gary the de- the desperate virgin who wants to desperately have sex with his uh crush and it's very awkward and now we have fat boy Chris brander who is trying his best so they're a little bit of a Incel gang, I guess you could put it that way.
0: So so would it be fair to say when I'm going for incel movies, I pick Mike Feeney to talk about them?
1: Apparently so. <laughs>
0: I don't know what that, I
1: don't know what that says about me, but sure.
0: <laughs> the last American Virgin, that's like the incel anthem. Like that yeah. whole movie. Like I didn't even realize I was putting two and two together as you were saying that. Oh my god, I have you to talk you're talking about the two biggest incel movies I've ever featured. <laughs> So anyway, somebody please date Mike Feeney. He's lonely. Please.
1: Oh, I, need a, uh, I need a nurse Janice, just, just like Dingleman. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, but uh, just, just in case I have any incels out there listening to my podcast, just a PSA from Staff Picks that nobody is entitled to sex. You must present yourself as dating material. Give people a reason to want to date you. That seems to be the key. Do you think that's fair?
1: I think that's fair. Don't be a Billy Gary or a 1995 Chris. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, Chris, Chris Brander in this movie is not creepy. He's just gross and awkward. And I guess the uh, another phrase we're not supposed to use on staff picks, but it's a ninety, it's a early two thousands movie. His brother repeatedly calls him a homo.
1: Yes, that's one of his favorite words. Mike,
0: Mike Brander. So again, when Mike pitched this movie to me, he pitched it as Chris Klein is in this movie and he's great. But the really best part of the movie is Ryan Reynolds has a little brother. And the whole movie, they basically spend slap fighting each other. And it's hilarious. And it even starts early in the movie when when fat Chris Brander is pining over Jamie. He wants to go date her and express her love. And his brother walks in the room and calls him once again, 2005 word, homo. And Chris gets very mad. But we will repeat that scene at least five times later in the movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But the brothers do love each other. It's just the younger one likes to pick on the older one.
1: In their own way, they love each other. My, one of my favorite things about 1995, Chris, and that you'll see it throughout the movie, is his like soft Cartman voice from South Park. It's the Jamie. It's it's very distinct. And as he comes back, he has a normal voice, but it slowly morphs back into Cartman in my head.
0: My wife pointed out the same thing when we were watching it today. She's like, I love Ryan Reynolds' little 1995 wimpy voice. Every time he's around Jamie, he changes his voice. He cannot speak like himself. <laughs> Okay, so tonight's the big night, the last day of high school, and Ryan Reynolds in a fat suit is going to go, you know, declare his love for this girl he's been best friends with for like 10 years, and he goes to the party, it's like the big party, the last day of school, and he thinks he and Jamie are going to be like the only people there, but like she's invited every single person in the entire school, and it's not going to go well for poor fat Chris Brander.
1: No, he first he runs in his, uh, his friends, he thinks it's going to be a... a, a, a Wrongly worded term, but foursome uh, with uh, his friends, Clark and Darla and Jamie and Clark and Darla, I'll just say this, I get this out of the, out of the way right away. I hate them. Uh, they're those characters who live, they only live to see the main characters succeed and they live for nothing else. And that's their only purpose. And I hate them.
0: <laughs> this movie has already inspired more rage than I thought it would out of you.
1: <laughs> they're just a waste. They're just so excited to see him all the time. So
0: how could you hate people named Clark and Darla? Uh,
1: Samantha loves them, which we'll see.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, so Chris is at the party, he meets, meets up with his friends, and they're like, go upstairs, talk to Jamie, tell her, explain your love for her. But, like, every other person in the school is there, and Chris eventually goes up to Jamie's bedroom, and they hang out, and this is very... uh <laughs> reminiscent of their relationship is that when they're in the bedroom together, that involves her laying in his lap and playing the tickle game with him. So that, That's how much game he has.
1: Mario, haven't, have you ha- ever had a, a girl you like just like start biting your stomach?
0: I, I have never had that happen.
1: Like you're a child. No.
0: Yeah. No tickle game. No biting of the stomach. No, that, I, I was never that far into the friend zone. Okay. So Chris is in there trying to explain to Jamie, he loves her, I want to date you now, and she clearly doesn't take him seriously, but they're interrupted in the bedroom a couple times, once by, let's see, Tim the football player, that's her boyfriend, right? Yes. And then Dusty, our favorite character here. So explain who Dusty is.
1: All right, so Dusty's another senior, and he's played by Chris Klein, and in 1995, Dusty, he comes in, he has a song that he's written for Jamie, it's called When Jamie Smiles, He's like, "Gene, I wrote the song for you." And Chris Brander, Ryan Reynolds, was a little bit put off because this is supposed to be his big moment with her. And he's uh, Dusty comes in. He's long, greasy hair, glasses, pimples all over the place, and he tries to sing this song, and he just can't get it out. He starts hitting the wrong chords, and he starts freaking out and yelling at himself, "Damn it, Dusty!" And then, uh, and then Chris decides to, you know, push him out. Said, "So, you know, sorry, buddy, uh, it's time to go." And that's the last we see of Dusty. For a little while so he's another guy who has a crush on jamie um he pops in at the beginning and then he's gone for a little while
0: yeah dusty and chris are the two lonely desperate incels lusting for jamie having no chance with her whatsoever but they will become rivals later in the movie when they both grow up and become cool
1: yes every <laughs> incels dream
0: <laughs> yes it's the this is the incel handbook how to how to play this game no i'm just kidding this is not a mean-spirited movie i just want to get that across to people so so Chris is once again alone with Jamie, and he's trying to explain that he loves her. You know, we should be a couple. But instead, she has bought him a T-shirt. This is, uh, as their graduation present from high school, it's a very tight shirt on a fat boy. He's like, oh, that's a little snug on me. And it has two kittens, and it says, shakes come and go, but friends are forever.
1: <laughs> yes, she's loves it. She's like, Let's go start, show your mom, and uh, he hates it so much.
0: Yes, he hates the shirt, which is them as cats drinking milkshakes together. <laughs> and so, he pulls out a note. He pulls out the yearbook. He's like, "I want to show you what I wrote in your yearbook. It expresses all my thoughts of love." He's already written in her yearbook, and he pulls it out, and he realizes, much to his horror. This is not his yearbook. He has switched it with Tim, the guy who was in earlier. And all of a sudden, the love letter he's written to Jamie is now downstairs in the party where everybody in the high school is reading it. And he just turns to the camera and says, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> I love that. The physical, like the faces, the, the, the camera shots, shots they get of people in this movie, they'll come up more later. But just that, like he turns right to the camera. It's so great.
0: So Chris runs downstairs his his yearbook has been left down stairs with all the partiers and they're reading his note to Jamie how he loves her how we should be more than friends how you know I want to be your boyfriend we should take the next step and they're all laughing because this is fat disgusting Chris Brander and he's totally humiliated this is actually a very embarrassing scene to watch it's very harsh
1: Yeah there's a line that I love it's like you can hear it from the crowd holy
0: shit check out his shirt <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so Chris, fat Ryan Reynolds has been humiliated, and all the school's laughing at him, and he runs outside and and he's gonna ride away on his little bike, and Jamie, his dream girl, comes outside and she's like, "You really meant all those things you really love me?" And he's like, "I do, I do," and she's like, "I love you too," and there's a beat, and she's like, "Like a brother, and his stomach just drops. <laughs>
1: the worst it's like worse than the friend zone
0: <laughs> and he, he leans in to kiss her and she moves her face to the side and kisses him on the cheek so the the game the game has not changed he is still not he is still trapped in the friend zone
1: right and then you know people start taunting him from the window and he just can't have it anymore and he rides off into the night and says i'm going to leave this stupid town screw you guys i'm going to prove something to myself
0: uh, here's the here's the exact quote I'll show you. I'll show all of you. This town is full of losers. My name is Chris Brander. Remember that name. I'm going to be somebody. Yes. So flash forward 10 years, and guess what? He has become somebody.
1: Good Good for him. Yes, he, he learned. Like I said, he learned uh, how nutrition works. He lost all that weight. He's, he's turned into Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds that we know.
0: Okay. Yeah. Explain Chris Brander in 2005 to people. What does he do for a living now?
1: He is a, uh, a music producer in LA. Uh, he has a house in LA. He's, uh, he's good with women. Again, he, he knows to, um, not stick himself in the friend zone. As soon as he sees that coming, he steps out of it. He runs away. Um, he's only interested in, you know, sleeping with women, not serious relationships. Um, he, he's just really happy yeah uh, with with the money and the fame and getting to know celebrities and it's everything he i guess ever wanted
0: yeah he is a vapid los angeles record executive and he goes through supermodels he dates them once has sex with them turns them aside moves on he's very jaded towards life he is the exact opposite of 1995 chris brander and uh yeah he's basically become everything he said he was going to
1: and then He has a a buddy out there he plays hockey with. The actor Robin Dune or Dunn, are you familiar
0: with him? I don't know this guy, no.
1: He is uh, the the director of this movie. I forget his name, but he's only really known for one other thing, uh, Cruel Intentions, if you've ever seen that. Um, And then they did Cruel Intentions 2, which was kind of like a direct-to-video. And Robin Dune replaced uh, Ryan Phillippe in that role. They just replaced the actor and so I guess he kinda gave did this guy a favor to cast him as his buddy at the beginning, who another person who sucks because he's like a twenty something year old man who doesn't know what the friend zone is. <laughs> you have to ask what that means. This guy sucks too. I'm glad we moved on from him.
0: <laughs> yeah, so but But the bigger story is Chris Brander is kind of an asshole now. Like, he's not really a nice guy. He has become one of these guys who just is jaded, doesn't really like women, doesn't respect women. He's kind of a dick. And that's why it will be funny later in the movie. He's going to regress and turn into Chris Brander from the 90s every time he's around Jamie.
1: Yes. They'll just have to get there first.
0: Yeah. Okay, so what are some of the rules? He explains earlier in early in the movie what mistakes guys make when they're hooking up with girls. And he's like, uh, what are they, like, don't do lunch dates? That's one of them?
1: No day dates because that, that's just put a kisser at the end of the night. That's for one thing he's telling his buddy because his buddy's having some uh, troubles with his girl that he likes. Uh, no day dates, always at night, kiss her at the end of the night. And I think those are the biggies.
0: Play it aloof. That's the other one. Never show the girl how much you like her.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. And there's a fun little scene where Ryan Reynolds is pointing out this guy down in the ice skating rink who is clearly in the friend zone with a girl. They're ice skating together and holding hands. And Ryan Reynolds is like, look at that poor fool trapped in the friend zone. And he literally picks the guy's girlfriend up right in front of him. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, Ryan Reynolds, Chris Brander here is a just total... Los Angeles asshole, and that's why it's really funny to see his long, slow descent into hopelessness later in the movie.
1: Yeah, it's fun to see him take take a fall, in
0: a way. That's the thing, I've seen some reviews that say, oh, there." a lot of the characters in this movie are unlikable, like, I don't like Chris Brander, and I'm like, well, that's the point, that's what makes it funny, because he just totally collapses. The minute he gets cool and confident, he becomes terrible at everything, and that's what's funny about it.
1: I know, unlikable characters can be fun
0: speaking of unlikable characters we're about to meet samantha james
1: yes pop pop star don't, don't say that to her she's a real artist
0: <laughs> okay so i will set you up for this so chris brander is just an la executive record executive he works for this guy i forget the guy's name steven root is the the actor milton from office space one of my favorite chameleons he plays anything But the record producer, the the boss, says, we have this new pop star. She's like this vapid, you know, L.A. influencer. She's a socialite, Samantha James. I want to sign her to a record contract. And this is a problem because Chris Brander once banged this girl, and she's crazy.
1: Yes, and she has the hottest-selling poster in the country, and it's her with uh, whipped cream on her breast and about to deep throat a banana.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Samantha James, you kind of have to see this character to believe it. I, I saw her described as a, a combination of Gwen Stefani's humbleness with Courtney Love's gentility. And I forget the other one. It's like Paris Hilton's vapidness or something. <laughs> it's, it's like Anna, Anna Fer- How do you pronounce her first name? I always say it wrong.
1: I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's Anna.
0: Okay, Anna Ferris. Yeah, she was... I don't even know. Is she still really an actor? Because she was a big deal in the early 2000s.
1: I think she still works. I know she has a podcast, but everybody does,
0: including yourself. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, shut up, incel. I don't know.
0: I know she's mostly known for her podcast. Well, she has a TV show with Allison Janney, right? Isn't, isn't that correct? She, I don't know if it's still on. I never, I've never seen it. Okay. Well, she is still around, but yeah, this is her, one of her crowning moments in cinema playing Samantha James, the batshit crazy, uh, social media rock star.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the Santa role. I think I first saw her in scary movie and then probably this.
0: (laughs) So yeah, she has the number one poster in America where she's deep throating a banana, guys love her girls love her again she's just a Paris Hilton prototype exactly you know uh, Kim Kardashian that type of celebrity and Brander's like no I do not want to sign this girl she's nuts and the boss is like well sign her because she's about to put out a, a single and she has a new reality show it's guaranteed money so go with her to Paris and woo her to join our company so this is going to be the comedy for the rest of the movie Chris Brander is now attached to this batshit crazy singer
1: there's a line that I love. And uh, so he goes and he goes and meets Samantha at her at the um, at recording, recording her song and explains, you know, um, she she starts like uh, dry humping him and wants to have sex right there. And he, he tries to push her off. But uh, essentially she, she's aware he, he wants to sign her and she, you know, she's fine with it. Um, and so they, they board a plane to Paris and there's an un- underrated line I love. She's like, uh, uh I'm so glad KC, which is Ryan Reynolds' boss, I'm so glad KC got us back together. He's like, Yeah, you're awful. And she she has no idea, she's just so oblivious.
0: <laughs> there, there's a great scene. Again, Anna Ferris is so over the top in this movie. And this movie's over the top in general. She is Kevin Klein and a fish called Wanda over the top, basically. But there's a great scene where she's singing in the recording studio and she's so off key and she gets mad and screams at the producer for changing the key on her. <laughs> <laughs> And she wants to transcend music because she's an artiste. Yeah, she needs her guitar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so so here here's the plot of the movie she and chris brander are flying out to paris he's supposed to go with her on vacation and throughout the course of this trip basically pretend to be her boyfriend pretend to sign her to a record contract but because she's a moron she microwaves some tin some tuna in tinfoil in the plane it causes the plane to catch on fire they have to make an emergency landing and lo and behold it's in his old hometown in new jersey
1: Yeah, a little bit outside of Trenton. I don't know if they uh, specify where the town is, but Jersey, it's all the same, I guess, right?
0: Yeah, this is a Jersey movie. It's an East Coast movie. Yes. I grew up. Not far from there. All right, and so the entire rest of the movie is now Chris Brander going back to his house with this (laughs) insane pop star attached to his arm, and now he's going to be thrust back into his old world, a world that he wants nothing to do with anymore. (laughs) And this, I believe, is where we meet the mom, Julie Haggerty.
1: Yes. So they they show up and they're sitting there and, you know, being introduced to the mom. And I forget some of the lines she has in this in this moment. I think it really comes. I, really, I think it really comes together when his little brother shows
0: up. Yeah. So. We meet Chris Brander's mother, played by the wonderful Julie Haggerty, comedy royalty in my opinion, who just you never saw her in that much stuff. But she is the <laughs> dippiest mom. She's like, oh, pumpkin, oh, peanut, you're home. And Chris, of course, is completely different than he was when he was a fat kid 10 years ago. And then we meet his little brother, Mikey, who is like eight years younger than Chris about. Yeah, I think so. And what's the actor's name? I, fr- I forgot to write it down. Who plays the little brother? Chris Marquette. What else is he in? Do you know him from other stuff?
1: Uh, the one thing that comes to mind is Freddy vs. Jason. He's like the nerd, um, the nerd of the
0: cast. Okay. So <laughs> the younger brother and Chris Brander have basically had a lifetime of being in little slap fights with each other, which was. We saw it earlier in the movie when one was 18 and one was like 8. And now one's 28 and one is like uh, 18, I think. And so. <laughs> If, we will see the rest of the movie as they still continue their younger brother, older brother relationship where they still beat the shit out of each other, even though they're grown men now.
1: <laughs> One thing I noticed, this is the first time I noticed it when I watched it for this. Um, right when he walks in, he sees Samantha James, who he has a crush on. He has the poster with the banana. He's, he thinks it's his Christmas present, and he just freaks out. One thing I never noticed is that when he runs by, he immediately slaps Chris in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I, never he, I never noticed that he slaps him when he runs by until this last viewing.
0: Yeah, there's so much physical humor of the two brothers just pounding each other through this movie. (laughs) But yeah, the younger brother, Mikey, sees Samantha James and he walks up and he goes, Oh my God, that's the pop star Samantha James in my house. And and Mikey, always one to give a little too much information, says, You know, I have her poster over my wall, over my bed. I, uh, I slapped the ham to it an hour ago. (laughs) and julie Haggerty, the mom is like what ham did you slap not the ham i just bought (laughs) (laughs) so So anyway this is the dynamic and and chris brander the record exec is horrified he's now back in this you know middle class new jersey house where he's gonna be treated like a little kid and slapped by his brother but you know he's here for a night and he decides what the hell i'll go over to my favorite favorite bar and go meet up with my old friends uh Clark and Darla, the people you hate.
1: Yes. I'm pretty sure they've been waiting in that bar for 10 years for Chris to come back.
0: <laughs> so they're just lurking there. They're stalkers. They're like a bar incels. They're waiting for something to happen.
1: Yes. So they're hanging out in the town, doing their thing.
0: <laughs> so Chris friend zoned them. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, so, so he meets up with them in the bar and uh, Clark is a dentist now. And Darla is what, like a teacher? I kind of forget. Yeah, I think so. And as they're there, lo and behold, we see Jamie, Jamie Palomino, the, uh, is that how her last name is pronounced? Is it Palomino? Palomino, yes. Okay. We see Jamie, the dream girl, the dream girl from 10 years ago. She is now a bartender in the bar. She has suffered sort of a uh, hit of prestige over the years. She's no longer the it girl in town. Now she works in a bar and lives at home as she saves up money to go to med school or no, to get it, to go to a teaching school or something.
1: Yes. She's substitute. She says a substitute at the moment, but she wants to be a teacher.
0: Okay, so what happens in the bar here? This is where Chris brings Samantha, the pop star, into this little small town New Jersey bar, and hilarity ensues.
1: Yes, she's just put out by the whole place. You know, she's used to the finer things in life. She she hates the plastic menus. She says, "Chris, this won't work." Uh, she's just not all about it. He introduces her to Clark and Darla. He loves their names. He thinks she thinks it's um. She thinks their names are adorable, and uh, she. Uh, she she kisses Clark on the cheek. She starts making out with Darla. <laughs> she just she puts she makes her mark in in this little town in the bar.
0: Yes, and but that is the part of the story that I always kind of forget that Samantha the crazy pop star thinks that she and Chris Band- Brander are a couple. So no girl is allowed to come near Chris ever. Even though when Chris sees Jamie, all he wants to do is ask her out again and see if he can finally break out of the friend zone.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love it uh, when, after she, when she first meets Jamie, she uh, hisses at her, yeah. <laughs> which is just a, a wonderful thing. Wonderful way to meet somebody.
0: Anna Ferris makes a lot of wonderful little sound effects in this movie. Hisses and purrs and little meow noises.
1: Yes. I love when she's trying to fit in before she meets Jamie. She's trying to fit in with Clark and Darla, and they're telling Chris about, oh, you know, we have a son, TJ. And then uh, Samantha's like, TJ. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so Chris sees Jamie, his old crush, and he walks over and he hits on her because he's like, you know, I'm cool now and I'm skinny and I'm a record executive. And again, he can have any girl in Los Angeles he wants. And he's going to start parlaying this in with Jamie, who he's never been able to hit on. And again, at one point in their life, she was much more desirable than him. Now he's much more desirable than her. But she throws him for a curveball right away where she suggests, okay, let's go out. We'll go on a day date which is his number one rule never to do. And, and Ryan Reynolds' voice immediately drops into that little Cartman voice that you said. Yes. A day date. Great. <laughs> yes. Already his veneer is falling. The minute he's around Jamie, he reverts back to fat Chris Brander. And so he agrees to go on a day date tomorrow. They're going to go to a their old favorite restaurant and eat their favorite foods together. Yes. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, so this is his first night home. And he's like, all right, well, I got a date with Jamie tomorrow. They're supposed to he's again, he's supposed to fly to Paris, but the flight has been canceled there. They can't get a replacement flight. So they're stuck there in Jersey for a few days. And so this is where he tells his brother to distract Samantha and just take her out. Right. To get her out of the way. Yes. But before
1: that, how he his sit down with Mike is to literally sit on his head, which <laughs> I love that part. He starts squeezing his, his mouth. And what do you want from me, Chris? And he says, I want you to distract uh, Samantha. He's like, uh, I can do that. But before that, he's like, uh, I'm not the same fat guy in, uh, like I was in high school. And the line I love is Chris to Mike. You'll always be fat to me, Chris. And they start slapping the shit out of each other.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Again, the, the fights between the brothers is probably the best part in this movie. I don't know what the argument. Okay. The argument would be Ryan Reynolds in the fat suit or Anna Ferris as the crazy singer or the slap fights between the brothers. It's, it's debatable. What's the best part of this movie? Yes. What would you say? What's your top? Um, probably
1: a mix between the slap, the uh, physical comedy slap fights, and honestly, Chris Klein and his, <laughs> his facial expressions, his lines. That stuff.
0: Okay, that's fair. I forgot about him. But yeah, this is the first big major slap fight. And again, we have a 28-year-old Ryan Reynolds, his 18-year-old brother, Mikey, just slapping each other and pounding each other as if they're little kids. And it's hilarious how much Ryan Reynolds gets into it, because <laughs> he always like ends up beating the crap out of his brother, and his little brother's like, truce, 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 and you can just see him panic, because Ryan Reynolds is going to kill him. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> But eventually, Ryan Reynolds sits on him. He sits on his brother and says, you're going to take Samantha out. This girl that you've been in love with, she's your dream poster girl. Go take her out. Get her out of the way so I can go out with Jamie. And the little brother's like, you'll always be fat to me, loser. (laughs) So, okay, here comes the day of the big day date that Samantha and the little brother are out of town. They go to the mall and Jamie and Chris go on their date. And Chris... Again, like uh, in Jurassic Park, he spares no expense to woo Jamie. He rents the most expensive Porsche he can just to impress her when he picks her up.
1: Yes, there's a part before this that I love. It's Jamie's dad. Any and thoughts on him? That he has the greatest like facial expressions and laugh. Chris walks up to the house for the date, and uh, he's like, "Hey, it's uh, Mr. Valentine." He starts telling his buddy, this guy, he'd show up every Valentine's Day with twelve, a dozen roses for Jamie, make all our boyfriends jealous. But we just tell him, ah, oh, it's just a little friend, Chris.
0: <laughs> 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 he's
1: he's like,
0: Adam, Ryan
1: Reynolds is like, you little prick, under his breath.
0: Nobody in this town has ever taken Chris Brander seriously, and that's a lot of the comedy in this movie, that he's this big shot L.A. guy. And in town, everybody just thinks he's this fat loser like he was in high school, <laughs> and what's funny is he will become the loser again and it'll take a while though (laughs) okay so so chris's plan is to play all aloof and rent the big rich car and get jamie in there and not talk to her pretend he's uninterested pretend he's better than her and right off the bat she realizes this guy's kind of an asshole now
1: yeah he's with the car and i think he claims it's the last one left i think she's a little bit suspect about it but you know they go off to their diner where they uh where they used to hang out as kids.
0: <laughs> this scene always makes me laugh. When the waitress, explain this scene to people. They go back to their old haunt, and Chris is quickly reminded what his reputation is here in town.
1: Yeah, so it's the waitress that was working there back then. She recognizes him. She's like,
0: oh, I haven't seen you guys in forever.
1: And she's, you were a chubby bunny. And she grabs his cheek. And, and that's just, <laughs> I love her. Part. He tries to uh, a fork stab her. <laughs> PG invades his personal space like she's Mokiki. <laughs> and then, and then,
0: what is – is he a McPoyle brother who has a fork stabber?
1: Yes, and she does the sloppy stuff. <laughs> yes. and, and so he's a little bit rude to her. And so they order – or they don't even order. I think they just – she decides to bring them the usual, what they used to have. And it's, it's like sandwich for her, for Jamie, and for Chris. It's this huge – sugar, sugary pancake pile with whipped cream on it. And he's just disgusted because he hasn't had a sweet in a decade.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The waitress remembers Chris Brander from his peak fat years. Oh, you're the chubby bunny. And she brings out the biggest stack of chocolate chip dripping with chocolate syrup pancakes. And he's horrified. And she's like, but you were a little fatty. You love this stuff. (laughs) So Chris learns you cannot escape your reputation in your hometown.
1: Yes. I believe at that point Jamie calls him a little girl. Okay, little girl. I'll have your I'll have your pancakes, you can have my sandwich.
0: Not only, I think it was a custom order. It was called the Sugar Mountain Supreme. That's what he used to eat. <laughs> And so in the middle of this, as he's being humiliated by the waitress, we find out that his little brother is at the mall with Samantha. The little brother has accidentally tased her with her own taser, and she fell over a railing and was knocked out. So this is not – this first date is not working out well for anybody.
1: No. (laughs)
0: All right, so so the first date with Chris and Jamie did not go well. He was humiliated by the waitress. Jamie thought he was kind of an asshole. His aloof game doesn't work. And he goes out to his car. And Ryan Reynolds does a wonderful little bit of physical comedy here where he has a little freak out in his car.
1: Yes, I can't – I don't know if I can describe it. He starts, like, uh, taking his hands like they're puppets and, and mouthing the words that he said, the stupid line, the stupid line that wasn't funny. And he just starts <laughs> out, of, out of his mouth. It's like, stupid, stupid. He starts punching the, the steering wheel. And then Jamie catches him because uh, she forgot her gloves because, of course, she does.
0: <laughs> well, there's another great moment here where they go to the door. He walks her back to her house, and he goes in for the kiss because that's Chris Brander's rule. Always kiss a girl, whether she's expecting it or not. But Jamie deflects it and tries to hug him. And they end up basically just bouncing in a little bounce hug.
1: Yes, he shakes her. <laughs>
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so Chris Brander has f- failed at his first day date. He goes back to his car and freaks out. He's like, oh, my God. Hey, how terrible. He's like, what is it? Stupid, stupid, stupid. What the hell? And he starts pounding the car. And then he has to call his friend Clark. And Clark's like, oh, man, you're back in the friend zone again. <laughs> <laughs> OK, here we go. One of the funniest scenes in the movie where Chris goes home after his first day date and he finds that the girl that he's watching, the pop star Samantha, has been injured and knocked out. And she's now on so much Vicodin. She's basically a drooling zombie and she's eating toothpaste.
1: Yes. <laughs> so he walks in. He's like, what happened to her? She just all smiles. And I love this exchange. Um, Mike is just like, look, look, she's happy. She has her toothpaste. He's just trying to get out of it. <laughs> it's like, you know, she's she's on her Vicodin and then uh, Chris says, "Where did you get the bike The uh, the, Vi- the Vicodin? and <laughs> Chris Marquette's delivery it looks also he looks so sad, mom. <laughs> okay, I'm going to kill you.
0: You said to detain her. Detain! He slaps, he slaps. Him. Yeah, slap fight number two right here where the two brothers beat each other up and the younger brother's like, truce, truce, truce. And meanwhile, in the background, there's Anna Ferris with a mouthful of toothpaste dripping out of her mouth as she's trying to talk. It's hilarious. Blueberry. Yes. There's one scene where Ryan Reynolds is talking to his brother. It's like a dramatic scene. And you see Anna Faris just lean up next to him and start, Kissing him and spitting toothpaste all over Ryan Ryan Reynolds' cheek, and I cannot believe he got through that scene without cracking up.
1: I know. <laughs> I love the one part. He, 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 Ryan Reynolds calls the truce, and he's truce because his boss is calling him. He's on the phone, and then all of a sudden, you hear like a, three Stooges, like noise, like yeah. <laughs> Mike slaps him from <laughs> below.
0: So things are not going well for <laughs> suave, slick record executive Chris Brander. But you know, I, he like he wants another chance. I can do this. I can score with Jamie Palomino. So he calls her up. He's like, we're going to do this again. And he apologizes for the for today, how it didn't go well. And he's like, can I take you ice skating tomorrow? That's the second date. And she's like, but you're not good at ice skating. He's like, well, I am. I'm actually in a hockey league out in Los Angeles. I'm really good now. And here's one of my other favorite laughs in the movie when the mom picks up the phone and she interrupts their conversation.
1: Yes, and she's looking, she's trying to speak to her friend, Joyce. Yes.
0: <laughs> Julie Haggerty, forever looking for her friend, Joyce, on the phone, thinking her son is Joyce.
1: <laughs> Joyce? There's an underrated line. She, she says, Mom, it's Chris. Chris, what are you doing over at Joyce's?
0: <laughs> what do you want for dinner, Pumpkin.
1: Mom, I'm 10 feet away from
0: you in the other room. <laughs> Come on, be like old times. Hello, Joyce? Mom, I'm on the phone. Well, well, Chris, what are you doing over at Joyce's? No, Mom. I'm in the living room 10 feet away from you, and I'm on the phone.
1: Oh. Well, you know, I was wondering, while I have you on the phone, what would you like for dinner? We we have a choice between chicken chow mein or pot roast. Mom, please.
0: So it's not going well. And so Chris now is going to go for date two. He's going to take Jamie ice skating and show off his hockey skills, but he learns much to his chagrin. His mother has given away his childhood skates.
1: Oh, because she, she knows he's not very good. She tells him so, well, honey, you've, you've never been very good. (laughs)
0: Yes. She has given away his skates. He's like now, mom, I have to use rental skates. Are you kidding me? I'm supposed to impress Jamie. And she's like, You don't have to impress Jamie, sweetie. Just be yourself. And she sings him the be yourself song. Very sweet, mother. Yes.
1: (laughs) I think the line he says is, I'm
0: good now. I need
1: my my skates to show off my talents.
0: His talents. Although he's distracted during the scene. I always love this. As he's looking for his skates, he's distracted by his old fat kid snow globe collection. And he starts cuddling his old snow globes.
1: Yes, and the Cartman voice comes back in that moment. <laughs> That's one of the things I marked.
0: <laughs> okay, so here we go. This, I think, is the funniest scene in this movie, and I would defy anybody not to watch this scene and laugh. Again, even people who don't like this movie, you got to watch the skating-slash-hockey scene. It's so good. <laughs> All right, so I'll set it up, and you could describe what happens that... He goes ice skating with Jamie, but he has to use rental skates. These are not his, his a professional grade skates that he uses out in L.A. So he's falling all over the ice, and he's just a klutz. And she's like, you know, you're a lot better than before. He's like, but I'm really good. I've got to show you. And then at one point, he tries to kiss her, right? And he headbutts her and knocks her out. <laughs>
1: yes, he falls into her students because she's a substitute teacher.
0: Oh, that's right. Those are her kids. Her kids are all at the skating rink, and her kids are putting together a pickup hockey game. And this, will, this is where more hilarity will ensue, the hockey scene.
1: Yes. So an adult comes over and asks if anyone wants to join. He's, he wants to impress Jamie, so he's like, I'm in. I'm in. I'll play.
0: <laughs> Although he does issue the codicil here, but uh, these aren't my real skates. These are rental skates. And one of this little eight-year-old mocks him. He's like, a good skater can skate in anything. I think they all, be, all the other kids are like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the great running jokes in this movie. The kids in town will forever mock and boo Chris Brander because they hate him.
1: <laughs> and they always do it together. And they're like a little gang.
0: <laughs> all right. So here's the hockey game. So explain how the hockey game goes for poor Chris. So,
1: you know, they're playing. It's, it's, he's the only adult playing. I think the, the the adult man who asked them to play, he's kind of like refereeing uh, in, in a way. And then so Chris just sucks. He keeps falling, and all the kids are just making fun of him.
0: (laughs) They're booing him. They're like, you suck.
1: You suck, Brander. You're you're in the huddle. (laughs) These eight-year-olds. Jamie's trying to tell her kids, no, he's trying his best.
0: (laughs) Yeah, again, this is ultra cool. Ryan Reynolds trying his best to impress his girlfriend. He cannot skate, and all the kids on his team are mocking him and yelling at him. And at one point, a little kid named Terry comes up and tries to fight him. (laughs) <laughs> and so, Terry's like you pussy you let the goal score you pussy and Terry starts punching Ryan Reynolds he's like what Wow! Well, I'm not getting in a fight with a little kid and it turns out that Terry's a girl so a girl is beating him up a little eight-year-old girl <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then he gets he gets reprimanded by the adult don't cuss in front of the children
0: and so the other kids are just booing him they're like boo Brander you suck and one of them does with the old Knights of the Round Table. I dub you Suckster. They call him Suckster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so now they pissed, now they pissed him off, and and now it's I think now now it's uh, now I'm going to play this hardcore, and uh, he get, he gets con- he gets control of his uh, of his skates, and he starts to skate a little better, and he just he just freaks out. He gets hold, hold of the puck, and he straight up punches one kid out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Brander is not no longer holding back against these kids. Now he starts punching them and slashing them and knocking them out of his way.
1: Threatens them by pointing he points at the goalie and does like the little death symbol across the across the throat.
0: You're going down, goalie. <laughs> so Chris basically goes berserker here and just starts kicking the crap out of these little kids and everyone's like, "No, Chris!" <laughs> Chris skates up to the goalie, and he's, like, literally punching kids, knocking them out of the way, and he tries to do a slap shot from 10 feet away where he probably would kill this little kid. And everyone's like, no, but in typical Chris Brander fashion, what happens?
1: The the puck hits the goal and shoots right back at him, hits him in the mouth. (laughs) Yes,
0: He knocks out his teeth and knocks himself unconscious with a slap shot. And so he ends up in a stretcher in traction. And this is where we meet the return of one of our favorite characters. Who would that be, Mike?
1: Dusty Dinkleman. So uh, they take the, they show his mouth and his mouth is bleeding. And and Jamie passes out at the sight of the blood down the, the little hill they're on, on the snow. And all of a sudden, this inspirational music just comes from nowhere. And Jamie's in the arms of this man. This is EMT. And it's Dusty Dinkelman. The acne's gone, the hair's shorter, his stammer is gone, and he's hot Chris Klein from 2005.
0: Yeah, here's Chris Klein returning to the movie. And again, he was uh, Chris Brander's nerd rival back in the day, both competing for Jamie's heart. And now Chris is knocked out in a stretcher and the EMT attending him who rescued him is Chris Klein, Dusty Dinkelman himself, who is now, yeah, hot and successful and cool. And Chris cannot believe it. He's like, oh my God, that's Dusty?
1: Yes, and he wants to, Dusty wants to break into music and his name is now Dusty Lee. And <laughs> this this is the first case where... Where the kids go, they boo Chris and they go, yay, Dusty. (laughs) Yes. Even though they just met this guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Dusty has rescued their teacher. So the little kids are, yay, Dusty. They start chanting his name, Dusty. And Chris is like, what about me? And they're all like, boo, Chris. (laughs) 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 And, And that great scene here where... They have to take Chris to the hospital because he's knocked his teeth out with the puck. And as they're in the ambulance going to the hospital, Dusty's sitting in the back with Chris and Jamie. And Dusty's openly hitting on Jamie and getting her phone number as Chris is tied up and his mouth is full of gauze and he can't do anything to stop it.
1: <laughs> I think said at one point with gauze in and out.
0: There's This is bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, although I think we forgot the wonderful moment where Chris is so angry that Dusty's hitting on his girl, he starts shaking in his little stretcher, and the stretcher breaks loose and he slides down the hill, <laughs> and he flips and lands face first, face down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Again, more physical comedy, it's just so good. Even even outside the brother fights, it's so funny.
0: Yeah, so... Uh... Yeah, Dusty has moved in. Dusty apparently has moved back into town, and he's this suave, sensitive, amazing guy, and Chris is pissed, because Chris never has, you know, uh, competition with women, and Dusty's going to beat him, and Dusty will defeat him every single time the rest of the movie they square off.
1: It's so true to life, too. There's always that person that, like, you just you just don't like, and everyone else loves him, <laughs> and it's just the worst.
0: And it's always Chris Klein.
1: Yes. He he smited me many times in all all of our (laughs) run-ins.
0: He's your Lex Luthor.
1: Yes. They were going to pick me for election. They were going to film it at my school, but then they decided to go and film it with with Chris Klein's school, so I could have been him.
0: Wow, so you could have been a movie star, and you could have been in Rollerball.
1: Yes. That's the one thing that upsets me the most.
0: (laughs) That's the one. The one thing that slipped through your fingers in your life. You were not in Rollerball. (laughs) Rollerball. Okay, so, so... Chris has to go to his dentist friend and they have to fix up his teeth because he knocked out his teeth. And it leads, leads to a great visual gag that the rest of the movie, Ryan Reynolds will have to wear a retainer again, just like when he was in high school.
1: <laughs> yeah. There, there's one underrated line in this part with, um, she's just a non-entity. It's uh, Clark, the dentist, his assistant. Uh, Chris Brander starts to tell Clark about another date. <laughs> and the assistant snickers, another day, date. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So she, she's the one Clark talks about Chris to her. Yeah, Nobody takes Chris seriously in this town. Even his friends do not take him seriously. <laughs> and so the dentist points out, you know, Dusty, he's a real nice guy. Everyone loves him. You've got competition, Chris. And so Chris is like, what? So that's what Jamie wants? That sensitive douchebag? And so he kind of switches his tactics here that he's not going to be ultra cool Los Angeles Chris Brander. He's going to be sensitive like Dusty Chris Brander. And the exact quote is... What, Jamie likes sensitive now? Well, if she likes Mr. Rogers, I'm going to show her the biggest pussy she's ever seen.
1: <laughs> and he has like a demented smile on his face.
0: Yeah, so he's going to change tactics and spoiler, this will not work either.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, let's go back to the house. So we have Samantha, the pop star with Mikey, the little brother. And this is the scene where she decides that she's lonely and horny. So maybe this kid can entertain her for a while yes
1: and this is he's just this is just his dream he, he, he's beside himself there, there's a, a line that uh again I would kind of use in the like lexicon and daily conversation without even remembering where it was from but when when he's putting a lotion on her she says her back is sore mm-hmm. he starts like pouring it on her and she's like more more enough enough <laughs> she just like turns on to dime she's so crazy
0: there's a great scene there's a couple great moments here they're intercut with other moments but this whole scene where mikey's uh massaging samantha and chris comes home from the dentist and he learns that dusty is now stealing his girl and the neighbor's right outside the house and the neighbor sees chris he's like howdy ho neighbor and and ryan reynolds just picks up a snowball and hits him with it as hard as he can (laughs) the neighbor's like you dick
1: (laughs) i love that part
0: so Chris comes in to talk to his brother who's mounted on top of Samantha massaging her and she and, and Mikey and Samantha laugh at Chris's retainer and mock him. And then we get another slap fight, slap fight number three between the brothers.
1: Yes. I love how Mike so easily turns on his brother. He like, he literally rolls over to be closer to Samantha to call him a doofus just like her. <laughs> yes. He rolls across the whole bed, just to be next door to join in on calling him a doofus. <laughs> and then the, the ultimate slap fight is in the living room. They're just – they're in the archway, and then it results in uh, one final stiff kick in the ass to Mike. Yeah,
0: where Ryan Reynolds punches his little brother, trips him, and pushes him onto the couch, and then Ryan Reynolds just kicks him in the ass as hard as he can while the guy's already down. It's a great, wonderful moment.
1: (laughs) That had to have hurt.
0: Truce, truce, truce.
1: I believe it was one final, like, whimpering truce.
0: Truce. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. So Chris is going to call Jamie up again. Now it's his strategy is to be the most sensitive Mr. Rogers pussy ever. And he calls her up, and I love this scene. This is a Christmas Eve date because it's the, the night before Christmas. And he calls her up, and he says, Hey, there's a screening of the movie The Notebook. Do you want to go with me? And the brother listens in over the phone. And this will be a wonderful five-person gag with five different people on the phone and split screen, correct? Uh, the call waiting showdown. I think this is the call waiting with Dusty and Jamie and the mom. Or is that later? I don't know. Whatever happened. Okay. There's a funny phone scene. Let's just put it at that. Yeah. Where, where Chris invites Jamie to watch the notebook. His brother's on the other side of the other end of the phone, holding up the phone, listening, groaning. And then you know, oh my God, my brother's a pussy. <laughs> and Chris Chris is on the phone with Jamie and he gets interrupted when Dusty calls instead. So Jamie hangs up on Chris to talk to Dusty and Chris is like, Well, you know, maybe she had an important business call. And Chris's little brother's like, What, did the bar run out of curly fries? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's yeah, that's the date. They're gonna go see the notebook tomorrow and then afterwards go out for herbal tea. That's his sensitive man date. <laughs>
1: But uh, his plan for for Samantha and his brother is to, you know, he's going to detain her, distract her again to take her to a coffee house to play a gig to kind of fit in with her fans and her local small town fans.
0: Because she's an artist. She must perform in front of a live crowd.
1: Yes. And there's a there's a part where, she, you know, Samantha thinks she, she agrees to do it. She thinks Chris is going to go with her and it's out or She gets in the car. He opens the car. And just out of the darkness comes Mike, gleefully skipping to replace Chris. That is a great moment. I love that. He just skips the car. He grabs the keys. He hops in before she can even, like, know what's going on. It's so great. And then, you know, it's one final little, like, uh, Friday Revenge for the stiff kick in the ass. He says, think fast. Boink. Right in the eye. He, pop, he pops his brother in the eye. He drives off. <laughs>
0: Okay, so here we go. The Christmas Eve date. This is Chris's chance to get Jamie alone, be Mr. Sensitive. They watch the notebook, but he's foiled because Dusty has driven Jamie over to his house and Dusty invites himself on the date as well because he also loves the notebook. And just as a final cock block to Chris, he also invites Chris's mother along. So now it's a foursome date.
1: I love when Dusty shows up. He's like, ding dong. <laughs> and then Chris is, Dusty, hey, why? <laughs> and then when Dusty sees his mom, his reaction, Carol, he just goes up and hugs her like he's the sunshine rat.
0: <laughs> so Julie Haggerty gets invited along on the date. And this is another such a great laugh in the movie. All four of them sitting there watching the notebook. And at one point, Dusty starts crying because Dusty's so sensitive. And Jamie reaches over and consoles him. And Chris Brander looks over and just like, son of a bitch. His, <laughs> his mom hears him say that. And she consoles him by holding his hand and saying, oh, peanut. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he's, he's on a date with his mom, essentially. <laughs>
0: yes, so at the end of the night, the date has been foiled. They went to see the notebook, and all Jamie did was realize how sensitive and awesome Dusty is. And at the end of the night, Dusty has to go because he, uh, perform. He like, volunteers in a church on Christmas Eve, right?
1: Yes. Or I think this night he's, he's uh, going to be at the hospital because one of his coworkers, can, so he can be with his family.
0: Okay, that's right. Although we do get some more dusty smack down here where they're in the car. Dusty's dropping them off for the night. And Chris pulls out his retainer. And Dusty's like, you know, you should wash that retainer twice a day, Chris, because your mouth is a cesspool of disease. And all the other girls, including his own mom, are like, ew, put it away, Chris. Put it away. And Chris's like, Dusty, god damn it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Chris is a dirtball. Yeah.
0: Okay. So anyway, Dusty leaves. So on Christmas Eve, Jamie comes in and hangs out with Chris and his mom. And it's really the first time in the movie. It's like old times. They just hang out and look at old home movies and drink cocoa.
1: Yes. Chris gets to see himself be fat on film. And I don't think he's happy about it. (laughs)
0: OK, so here we go. It's the first time that maybe he's he's happier being in the friend zone. And again, this movie gets more and more serious as it goes along because they try to re- reconcile it. But it's still mostly a comedy at this point. We could probably have a good other 20, 30 minutes of comedy before it sells out at the end. All right, so Christmas Day, this is the big finale, and this is where, you know, uh, Chris has one more day to hook up with Jamie now that he's in town. And it starts with him and his brother almost getting in a slap fight, except Mikey, instead of punching him this time, gives him a Christmas cookie and says, I love you. So they have a very touching relationship.
1: Yes, and they talk about their plans to further distract Samantha. Little do they know, she's she's in the room, she's asleep. Little do they know, she's awake and she hears the whole thing.
0: Oh, yeah. Samantha, for the first time all movie, realizes that Chris is dating another girl in town. And it will not end well tonight. No. <laughs> okay, so Chris is going to bike over to Jamie's house. Again, he spent all last night uh, watching home movies, drinking cocoa. They had a good time. Today's the day he's going to go over and reveal his true feelings. Just like back in high school. But as always, it will not go smoothly because... His brother left the, the windows to the Porsche open last night. The Porsche will not start. So Chris, in a final humiliation, must ride his bike over to Jamie's house.
1: Yes. And there's a scene where he falls on the street. There's a lot of random falls from, uh, from Chris in this movie.
0: Yeah, Ryan Reynolds does so much good slapstick in this movie. It's hilarious. Okay, so we get over to the Palomino's house, and again, they're the central house in town. They have these huge displays of Christmas decorations every year, and there's like this enormous party. Everybody in town is there, and Chris arrives, and once again, he's screwed because Dusty is there first, and Dusty is singing Christmas carols to everybody in town.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I believe he, 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 uh, at one point in the movie, he discusses with Clark, how can I compete with that guy? It looks like he has 15 fingers when he plays.
0: Yeah, he's got like a double necked guitar. He's got the double guitar. Yeah. <laughs> so Dusty, yeah, he is the king of all Christmas carols, the king of Christianity. Everybody loves him. And Brander gives up. He's like, that's it. I cannot compete with this guy. But his buddy, the dentist, says, remember, that's Dusty Dinkleman. Beat that guy! He's Dusty. You—he's nothing. You're LA. Who is this guy? And so, Brander decides, okay, once and for all, I'm going to have it out with Dusty Dinkleman. But before that happens, Samantha shows up, and all hell breaks loose.
1: Oh, I love this part. Uh, she shows—you know—she drives off, or she she gets um, Mike to tell her where Chris is in the room at the house, and uh, because you know he he likes her, it's it's easy for her to get him to tell her. And so she shows up. She steals the car, the family car, <laughs> drives up. Mike's with her. I love this part. He pops out the window, and in his high-pitched scream, the chick is up. The chick is up. And he starts spazzing out the window, like flopping around his body. But he's having a seizure. <laughs> that always makes me feel happy.
0: Seizures are funny, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so samantha the crazy pop star shows up at jamie's house the small town girl and basically we have a big kid, big cat fight to which Mikey cheers because he loves cat fights <laughs> but samantha just starts calling names telling chris you know i'm gonna get you fired from your job you cheated on me your career's over and then as a final humiliation as samantha drives away she ruins the entire christmas display in front of the house it destroys the palomino's christmas house She set Santa on fire. I think there's people yelling, not Santa, please. (laughs) Okay. So the jig is up for Chris Brander. Nothing's going to happen for him in this town. He's basically done. You know, Dusty's going to win. Dusty stole his girl. His career is over. And he goes home. and, And just a one little final great laugh in this movie where he checks his voicemail. And there's like 10 different messages from Samantha apologizing for ruining his career in different states of anger or apologeticness. And then at the end of his voicemail, there's two calls from his mom thinking she's talking to Joyce again. (laughs) (laughs) Joyce, yeah, Joyce. (laughs) Okay. So here we go. It's going to be serious. The rest of the movie, we're almost done with the podcast, but uh, so Jamie finds out Chris really did love her. he goes, she goes over to his house and uh, they basically, they try to recreate their childhood friendship, right? She comes over and she has a slumber party and they eat ice cream together.
1: Yeah. They're having a good time. You know, he was jerking earlier in the movie and they're just looking at all the pictures and, um, you know, they have a the little moment and he says, it's late. I'm going to take you home. And she says, uh, I think maybe I could stay over like old times, which implies that she's willing to sleep with him. And uh, so, you know, he's, they <laughs> they're in bed and there's a great part where you can hear his voiceover, like him talking to himself. And he's just starts freaking out about what could happen next if he sleeps with her and, the, his voice in his mind is yelling at him like, "You're not going to do it, are you? You don't deserve to have a penis."
0: It's <laughs> 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 the uh, war cry of the insult, insult right there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fighting with himself.
0: Yeah, but that's the whole point of this movie that that. Chris wants to hit on Jamie. He can't. Jamie, even this scene, even says, "I want him to make a move on me." She's kind of intrigued, but he won't do it, and so it just—it's not going to go well. And so it ends in just frustration that he will not hit on her. She expected him to. And they just cannot do it. And Chris decides he's going to leave town. That's it. That's it. I'm done. I'm going. Home. I'm back to LA.
1: Yeah, there's a part where I, uh, Clark is driving him to the airport and uh, talking, telling a boring story about his kid and daycare. And I love that Chris like ruins that by jerking the wheel. I think he was doing it for the audience because uh, that story sucked.
0: <laughs> but this is also where we find the plot twist, why Chris cannot leave, because this is where he finds out that Dusty is a fraud.
1: Yes. He sees him at the hospital singing uh, a song, the same song he had, wrote, he had written for Jamie when, called When Jamie Smiles, and he's singing it to another girl called Janice when Janice smiles. And he realizes that dusty has is a a fake
0: he is a jersey player that's the word we hear yeah yeah so dusty is not mr sensitive he's even bigger creep than chris and we're going into there's something about mary territory here where who's the bigger stalker but yeah dusty is a creep he's hitting on these girls in the hospital using the same song he sings to jamie now, that song, Jamie Smiles, they, there's like a full music video for that, uh, that song on the DVD. Have you checked it out?
1: Yes, I love that. It's on YouTube, too.
0: Did you know that's actually a retread from an earlier movie? The song i just read this today it was in the trivia no i didn't there's a song there's a song a movie from 1982 called savannah smiles and there's a song called savannah smiles and they basically just took that song and rewrote it and that became jamie smiles in this movie to which dusty also makes it janice smiles but that's an existing song from an older movie oh
1: i have to check
0: that out i did not know that that was news even to me so Chris has to go back to Jersey to save Jamie, because now he realizes it's more important that she's my friend than being my girlfriend. At least I'd rather have her be in my life somehow, but I have to protect her from Dusty. And so he storms off to the church for one final Christmas confrontation with Dusty at the church.
1: And then Dusty's singing, a, you know, church songs, carols with the kids, and he has a cowboy hat on for some reason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, is, he is the friend to all children, Mike.
1: Yes. They love him. They love Dusty. Who doesn't?
0: So Dusty is putting on a children's concert in the church and Chris storms in and pulls Jamie aside and says, you know, Dusty is not who you think he is. He's a player. And this is where we get one of the better quotes where Dusty pops his head behind the curtain. What is his quote? Do you remember?
1: Yes. He so uh, Chris basically admits that like, or he he lets it slip that it's kind of like a a game like he's, he's out playing me and she's like what am i a game to you so she's pissed um and then in the middle of their fight <laughs> dusty pops into the curtain just his head would you guys like to join us in a carol to celebrate the birth of our lord <laughs> with a big shitting grin on his face <laughs> couldn't have worse timing <laughs> and chris just freaks out he Does like a tribal yell And just runs through the curtain and tackles
0: him. Yeah, Chris attacks Dusty in the church, and they have their fight, the two suitors over Jamie. And Chris gets pulled off by security, and Dusty's, like, making horns of the devil at him, mocking him. And all the kids are chanting, Dusty, Dusty, and they're booing Chris, boo!
1: Yes, they're like, Mrs. Palomino, he's not your boyfriend, is he? She's like, no. And they're like, yay, Dusty. And then he does the, the, sign of the, the sign of the the horns and he flicks his tongue out at him when no one's watching. And Chris is like, oh, look at him. And then my favorite bit is when uh, Dusty pretends to pass out. <laughs> Make it more dramatic.
0: Now, in all truth, this is kind of the end of the movie because there's two dramatic scenes after this and they don't fit in this movie. They just It's like they just have to wrap up the movie. Do you feel that way as well?
1: Yeah. The, the the real funny parts. I mean, there's there's another little part with, with Dusty, but, yeah, I guess this is kind of the, the point.
0: Yeah, because basically from here on out, Chris leaves Jersey. He's going to go back to L.A. And on the way out of town, he stops at the bar one more time to say goodbye to Jamie. And, like, in a plot convenience playhouse twist here, Dusty's at the bar. Dusty says, oh, you know— uh, well, I hope I'm not stuck in the friend zone too long. Uh, she's going to put out. And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I was just playing you. And then Dusty leaves. And it's like, that, that was a very quick resolution to Dusty, the character. He just walks out of the movie, basically.
1: But his, his goodbye is great. He's like, if this some mobile, he does a little dance away. And he, he smacks the ass of a random girl and threatens to punch her boyfriend. And it just pops off screen, literally.
0: Yeah, he's done. That's it for Dusty. He won the movie, and then he left. And they just, I I, I feel bad they wrote him out of the movie, because I do think they could have done something more interesting with him. But he's done. And then Chris explains to Jamie, you know, I was putting on an act to score with you, too. And she slaps him, and then she punches him, and he basically, he is humiliated. He leaves. And so basically nobody gets Jamie. But because this is a romantic comedy, it must have a happy ending. So we're going to tack on a very convenient last five minutes where he's going to end up with her
1: yeah and goes back to LA sees Samantha um, you know she's, uh, she's broke but she's in his house and he surprises him and uh, he basically finally shuts her down because he's tired of her crazy ways decides to fly back to Jersey and professes love for Jamie.
0: Yeah, he decides with Samantha. He's like, you know, I don't want you. There's only one girl I want, and it's not you. So he flies right back to Jersey and proposes, basically. He says, I'd rather have you in my life as a friend rather than not at all. And he says, you know, any date, any time, day date, whatever, I just want to hang out with you. And she's so smitten that they kiss, and he basically it's implied they're going to get married. And really, it's, it's a very convenient, quick ending to this movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a happy ending in these movies. I mean, it's nice to see, but yeah, I agree. It, it's somewhat abrupt.
0: Yeah, it's too bad because this movie is a straight comedy for like an hour and 15 minutes, and then it really morphs into, you know, sappy romantic comedy at the end, which I don't think it needs, but whatever. But we do end on one laugh, which is the one I think you're re- uh, inferring.
1: with um, The kids,
0: the three kids.
1: Yes, so they there's three kids watching them. Her
0: students. These are her students.
1: Yeah, so right next door, and there's one with glasses, and there's a girl, and there's another boy, and uh, the the woman with the glasses gives the girl his cookie, and she's like, "Oh, thanks, Brad," and she she gives it to the other boy. Hey, you want you want to share my cookie? And she tells Brad how how good a friend he is. He's like, "The bestest." He looks at the camera. Oh shit!
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. The little kid in glasses, the Jonathan Lipnicki in the movie gets friend-zoned, and we cut right to credits, which is uh, Ryan Reynolds singing I Swear Again in his fat suit, the full version.
1: He sings the whole song at the camera, which is great. Going back to the beginning of the movie.
0: And there we go. It's a really light-hearted movie. Again, it's not substantial. You're not going to remember it. But it, for like an hour 15, this is one of the sillier, more slapsticky, funny movies of the early 2000s. And again, it always puts a smile on my face. And it's one I really think, you know, especially in times like this when we go we're in like a pandemic and people are all stressed and unhappy. It's a good way to put a, a smile on your face for about an hour, hour and a half. And I think people would like it.
1: I agree. It it boosts my mood every time I see it. Like I said, I try to watch it once a year. It's just one of the, not necessarily around Christmas, but at some point, and it just boosts my mood. And like I said, it's one of those things that there's not a lot of information on it. It's just like a moment in time. Um, I believe everyone in the cast loved making it. I love stories like that, hearing like a positive experience for the people involved. Um, Yeah, just a feel good movie that'll make you laugh.
0: Yeah, and when you watch it, you can tell. It really pops off the screen that the actors are all having such a good time It's and i know i've seen interviews they all said how fun it was and ryan reynolds loved being in a fat suit he loved playing a dork because he's usually so self-assured in his movies and he got to be so so spazzy in this one and you know anna faris got to be so over the top and yeah it's just a fun movie again there's some there's a place in the world for light-hearted slapsticky comedies and this is one i always recommend to people and i'm glad you recommended it to me because i would not have known about it
1: i'm happy i did too this was fun
0: and again, I cannot state enough how many reviewers hate this movie. So watch it and enjoy it and then read and laugh at the reviewers who took it way too seriously. So that being said, you have any more movie recommendation, recommendations for me? Uh, I, was, I
1: was looking through my movies earlier and I probably will email you. <laughs> um, there, there's one that comes to mind. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a uh, 2002 uh, Adam Sandler film, Punch Drunk Love.
0: I have heard that's really good. That's the one that's not a comedy, right? Uh,
1: There's, I think it's funny. There's part, it's like, uh, there's a dark comedy element to it.
0: Okay. I, I do have to share a little staff picks insider trivia here that people are always emailing me recommending movies and stuff. And Mike Feeney is my number one emailer for movie recommendations. I believe the second number, second most number of movies somebody's recommended to me is I know one guy who's recommended six movies to me over the years. Mike holds the record. Mike has recommended 107 movies to me. So, way to go, Mike. I have? (laughs) Wow. You you emailed me a while back these really long lists of all these movies, and you sent a bunch of emails one after the other for a couple days.
1: Okay. I don't remember that. (laughs) But if if they're a long list, that makes sense. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but I'm just saying, so yeah, Mike has a history of being one of my most uh, loyal listeners who's always recommending stuff. So that's why he's a three-time host, and he's always recommending stuff. And he has turned me on to some good stuff over the years. And I do have to say how thankful I am. We did not end up in therapy today over your ex, your relationship with your ex in this movie. So thank you.
1: Yes, I'm going to listen to some All for One after this.
0: Are there any more incel movies you recommend where lonely men stalk women because they don't have sex with them?
1: I'll have to think about it.
0: <laughs> Does Silence of the Lambs count? Does that one in there?
1: Is that underrated? I don't know.
0: I'm not sure, but it, it feels it feels, it feels like it would be a Mike Feeney special.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to add about Just Friends before we sign off here?
1: Uh, I just like the lesson that it gives that uh, it teaches incels everywhere that you, too, can get the girl of your dreams by moving away, becoming handsome and rich, and acting like an asshole. And then you get the girl your dreams.
0: It really is the American dream, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. So it does give hope to all guys who are trapped in the friend zone, which is a real place with the asterisk that you probably put yourself there, asshole. It's your fault. But, <laughs> but yes, this the story does give hope to all out there. If you're trapped in the friend zone, at one point it will work out and you will marry her. So congratulations. Yes.
1: And if not, just watch this movie again, and feel better about yourself.
0: That's right. Or or become dusty. <laughs> the true hero of the movie yes all right once again this is staff picks my name is mario lanza if you need to reach me you can reach me at staff at gmail.com or on twitter at mario j lanza until next time i'll be out there searching for more movies that deserve more love and i'll try to find somebody interesting probably an incel to come on and talk about them i will talk to you guys later thanks for listening goodbye Yeah, actually, I go by Dusty Lee now, but yeah. Oh. Dusty Lee?
1: Thanks for saving me. Yay, Dusty! You remember Chris Brander?
0: Yay! Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Seen better days, I guess, oh. huh, pal? <laughs>